0: I just recently hired legal counsel. She's also an actress. Why not? Right.
1: Hey friend, it's David Dobinsky here in Brooklyn, here at the portfolio Career podcast. We help you take ownership of your portfolio career and design the life that you want to live. Today's conversation is with Virginie Raphael. Special thanks to prior podcast guest Alana Entinger for introducing us. Uh, Virginie is the founder of Full Circle, an early-stage venture firm investing at pre-seed out of a perpetual fund. On First Circle's website, they mention workforce trends like, like a growing proportion of workers with nonlinear career paths who are building skills in a portfolio of jobs over time. Exactly what we're all about here at the show. In this episode, you'll learn about You'll learn about portfolio career trends, companies that are building into this current world that has been dramatically changed over the last couple of years, advice that Virginia likes to give people that are building their portfolio careers and taking, uh, making career changes, and so much more. As always, this episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at portfoliocareerpodcast.com. There, you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away, which has the best insights from the podcast and front source job opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Here we go with Virginie. Cool. Uh, Virginie, welcome to the show.
0: Hi, David. Thanks for having me.
1: So, I actually I, I had an initial question I was going to ask, but then I, I decided to change it. I would love to hear about uh, the naming. Uh, of your company, Full Circle, how you came up with that name and maybe what it means to you. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. So I, um, I was at a stage uh, of my life and, and career where I felt like finally all of the different pieces and all of the different steps that I had taken along the way finally made sense. And I had an opportunity to bring it all full circle and use all the different pieces to the service of the the founders that I wanted to to fund Um, So that's the the origin of the name. Uh, My background is in public policy, political science, pretty long way off from venture, right? Uh, And yet somehow I found my way there, which I think is is pretty common for for people in venture, right? Uh, Very non-linear path, interested in way too many things to choose one, was never one to kind of either go for a PhD or go work at a company for 15 years. Like that was just not me. Was never going to be me. Serves me well in venture, and finally, I found my my tribe among founders who are typically also pretty gifted in a lot of different areas. Uh, so, bringing it all full circle uh, to to me was was finally happening. was exciting, and that's why I did the the fund the way I did.
1: Cool, and we'll get into maybe some of the details of of the fund, but um, you know, newer fund. Um, and so you brought it all full full circle recently. Uh, I love your investment thesis. Uh, I feel like it's uh, just fascinating how you talk a lot about future work trends and portfolio careers, and you know, firmless professionals and you know, skill-based uh, learning, skill-based companies and and careers. And how did how did you kind of come up with with some of that? Um, you know, previously you'd worked in as you mentioned a couple of different areas, but was there like an aha moment, or how did you kind of say like this is what I'm, this is the future that I want to like co-create?
0: Yeah, so so when I um, left my my prior firm to create Full Circle, uh, it was right in the middle of a pandemic. It was Q four of twenty twenty. Um, there was a ton of stats that were coming out in terms of women leaving the workforce, uh, working caregivers not being supported, uh, and having no other choice but to stay home with the kids, right? Who didn't have school, who didn't have daycare, all of that. So first, that was maddening to me as to why that would that was happening in a country like the US in 2022. Um, and so I, um, I really set out to look into, well, how do we create the infrastructure that really needs to exist? And like, there's a lot of future of work. It, it became such a buzzword that meant a lot of things to a lot of different people. Uh, and actually, I hate the term. Um, to me, future of work doesn't mean how do we create a better Zoom? Or how do we enable remote teams to kind of create more connections and that's important right and that's necessary but by and large it seemed to me that we made the transition fairly quickly from a world where everybody was going to the office typically nine to five or six right five days a week commuting and all that right we made the shift to me interestingly super fast to like a world where people were on zoom all day long right um so I, I didn't really need to see a lot of investments going into the how, right? How are we gonna connect? How are we gonna continue to work? They work fine, right? Zoom is not a fantastic piece of software, but it's fine for the most part. Um, so I really became interested in more the who works, right? How do we make sure that we create tomorrow's workforce uh, where individuals feel empowered, feel agency over their work, uh, feel a lot of ownership, right? I think it what we focused on shifted from how am I gonna? How am I gonna go to work and do my work and continue to pay the bills? To who, who do I want to be and who who do I want to work with? Um, and and what do I want to work on? And that was really fascinating to me. So I shifted the thesis away from future work in the sense of how do we work, and more so who works. How do we support working caregivers? How do we support small businesses? How do we support independent workers? Uh, and it's a very very different group uh, of companies that you focus on with with that angle.
1: Okay. And then within the, uh, maybe we'll just start with within the independent workers. What, um, what are some trends that you're seeing there or what are some um, kind of pitch decks you're seeing or, you know, companies starting to form there that, you know, people that are listening to this, you know, may want to start to, you know, think about positioning themselves that way or uh, start having conversations with those types of people.
0: To me, I spend a lot of time around business models and kind of what's next from what we've seen so far, right? So, uh, the way freelancing is evolving is really interesting to me, right? It used to be that uh, I think if you if you say freelancers to someone, they immediately sort of assume, all right, well, someone who does something on the side, right? Maybe they do it a few hours per week. Uh, They have a particular talent that they're uh, interested in monetizing on it, or really something that they're really good at that they can make a little bit of money supplemental income on the side, right? Um, That's fundamentally changing because people actually now have the means to become something else, we should find another term, but truly an independent worker where they can fully monetize on their talents and clear a six-figure salary doing so, right? Not supplemental income, not a gig worker, not kind of something that you do outside of typical work hours, but truly something that is, that's their thing. That's, That's what they wanna do day in and day out, right? Enabling that is really interesting to me. Now, on a lot of different uh, places, we don't have the infrastructure in place that truly makes that possible for a lot of people. Not just because they can't clear um, high enough of an income, but also because they don't have healthcare, they don't have a way to make rent payments in a kind of more consistent way. Right. So, any any play in and around that infrastructure that needs to exist for freelancing to to be an actual career sustainable way of of generating um a, a big enough income uh, i i find fascinating uh, so i spend a lot of time looking at those those pitch decks for sure
1: and so it sounds like you're saying that there's trends of like maybe to the somebody who's called thinking about leaving their nine to five and is you know wanting to be independent freelance self-employed etc sounds like you're saying a little bit of like obviously it's going to be a little bit challenging. Like, you know, you're starting kind of a a business or something on your own. Um, But there's like natural kind of market trends that are behind your back more now than they were years before.
0: For sure. For sure. Uh, I'll give you two examples and I don't know if we want to name names, but um, so, so one company I invest in is uh, really creating the 3.0 version of the upwork of the world right where typically those platforms were uh structured as marketplaces you have on one side companies that want to hire freelancers to uh, get a website done or whatever type of projects right and then on the other side the freelancers were happy to come on that platform share their revenue with those platforms because they're going to help them find clients okay so that's the sort of traditional model of like marketplace for freelancers um, the reality is that if you think about it, those platforms are not exactly created for freelancers, more so for companies that are looking to hire them. And what they're really looking for is projects at the lowest possible cost, right? So what that leads to is actually those freelancers competing against each other uh, in and in a race to the bottom when it comes to pricing. Uh, I'm an investor, a proud investor in Wethos, which kind of flips that model on its head and says, well, what if we really focus on the freelancers themselves built some tools truly for them that enables them not to compete with each other for projects, but actually team up together and earn more together, right? And that's what WeDes is doing. Um, It gives freelancers a way to scope their projects in a very professional way, have a peer-based pricing data that they can use to actually price their services better. Um, And then they can even team up with each other if they want to deliver a bigger scope of work um, and and then uh, facilitating the the payments that go behind uh, those projects with each other. So there's a kind of an embedded fintech component to the platform uh, that really alters how much you can clear on the platform, uh, whether you can actually become a freelancer in a, in a sustainable fashion, right? Uh, and then kind of takes away that competition against each other, right? And really uh, avoids having that race to the bottom when it comes to pricing, quite the contrary. Right? You end up upselling your services, and making more money together, which which I really liked. That's one example. Um, I think another example is it's lonely, right? To There's a lot of, I think, desire for the flexibility uh, that comes with being an independent worker uh, and kind of breaking away from corporate. And yet once you get there, you sort of realize, well, this is really hard, right? Not just from a business kind of finding clients and then the work itself, but it's also just, it's very lonely and, and, and it's hard to find kind of your community. Um, Super fascinating evolution, I think, in terms of what social media uh, becomes uh, and this, this new wave. And I invested in a company called Groove in that category. New wave of company and that more kind of authentic social media, not based on like uh, ad revenue and or vanity metrics of how many followers. You can have quite the contrary, right? Like move away from the phone, move away from being uh, completely glued to the app or whatever it is. Uh, but more have tools for consumers who co-work together, find the community of uh, people who are likewise being solopreneurs, find that lonely, uh, find accountability and, and productivity to be a little bit harder to achieve when you're facing your computer all day long by yourself. Uh, and so, the the company was uh, started by a former WeWork um, guy who whose insight was. The reason why people go to WeWork is not necessarily because they need a physical space or an office, right? More so because when they get there, they find other people who are similarly building things, right, or working on something. Uh, and that motivation, that, that vibe, that environment was really what they were after. Uh, so they're recreating that in, in an app Groove uh, where you're not kind of um, glued, glued to the app necessarily, quite the contrary, you put it aside once you find a group of people to co-work with you for 50 minute sessions. Uh, so they enable you to really sprint uh, through a number of things that you need to accomplish. And then again, together I uh, really accomplish big goals by, by breaking it down and giving you the community and the motivation. So to say to keep going. Uh, so I, I, I like both of those plays. I think they're interesting and on point for the trends.
1: Yeah. And did, when, when you used to work at uh, Tusk uh, mm-hmm. was, I think you all were involved with kind of like the, the growth of Uber and stuff. Was that, did, did you start to learn or see things a little bit differently there that obviously they were the kind of, you know, among other companies kind of pioneers and kind of the gig economy, are you starting to see kind of some parallels between gig economy and the knowledge workers? And yeah. How, how are you thinking about that these days?
0: Yeah. It, it still informs a lot of my thinking in terms of business model. Um, it's an, another example, there is a company invested in the healthcare side of things and, uh, just for the, we were talking about earlier about future work doesn't mean just kind of how we work, right? But truly who, who gets to work and how do we support working caregivers and give them the infrastructure that they need to, to remain employed and remain in the workforce that they choose to. Um, so I'm an investor in Zaya Care, uh, which is a company focused on really driving better maternal health outcomes. And the reason, and the, the way they do that is really interesting. Uh, and moves away from kind of that gay economy problem. So what the Zaya Care does is they aggregate groups of providers, maternal health providers. We're talking about wraparound care, right? So not OB care, uh, more so kind of acupuncturists, dietitians, um licensed professionals that are within code and covered by insurance, except most of the time, the payers don't make it easy for them to accept insurance. Uh, so what ends up happening is that those providers just go to people who can... Um, pay for the services out of pocket. Uh, what Zaya does is they they change, again, the business model and say, we will go directly to payers. We will be uh, the provider of record, right? You don't have to worry about the fact that we have hundreds and thousands of providers kind of doing the, the actual delivery of the services. From a payer standpoint, we simplify that and we say, contract that with Zaya. We'll take our cut directly from the reimbursement, uh, make it very easy for those providers to accept insurance, simplify the claims uh, reimbursement process. Uh, What what that does, right, to me from my perspective, one is uh, it enables women to stay in the workforce for longer uh, and or not drop because they have terrible either pre or postpartum care. Uh, And then it also brings, structurally changes the workforce because it brings new providers to the market who now have a much larger group of patients, right, because they can go in and take people who need for the service to be within insurance to, to be able to pay for it uh, so that's a really interesting way kind of moving away from models where you know traditionally you build a platform right you have a marketplace you bring patients you bring providers to it if you need to charge either patients or providers for it you need to offer a lot more than just like a, a marketplace for them to find each other and then have a take rate, right that just doesn't work anymore uh, i think those evolutions in business models, and, um, and we're starting to see the same thing happen on the gig economy side, will we'll, we'll evolve, will continue to evolve, right? Uh, gig economy used to be kind of innovative when it started 15 years ago. What else? What's next, right? That's what I'm interested in, in investing in, kind of that other status of you're not know, either a gig worker or a W 2 worker. Is there something in between, right? The UK has it, why, why not in the US? Uh, I'm really interested in, in any companies kind of working in that in that middle space, so not that either or, but almost like both together or the best of of those two.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and can you share a little bit more about how what what's going on in the UK? Uh,
0: so they have a, a status that's called a, a worker's status, um, and so even even as a quote unquote what we would consider to be a gig worker, because the company if you're not on the company's payroll, uh, you're not a full on a kind of full time employee. Uh, but you do have some of the benefits of that double W-2 status, right? You have a certain number of uh, paid sick days, uh, paid vacation days. It's that concept, a little bit of a portable benefits uh, program, if you're familiar with that, w- which doesn't exist in the US yet. But, um, you know, the concept would be, well, it, it doesn't matter that you work for DoorDash and Uber and whatever other company, right? You can similarly have a way to have a complete paid benefit package, just like if you were, because truly that's what the workforce is evolving to, right? These people are a lot more uh, likely to build, especially the younger generation, portfolio careers, right? It aligns with their talents. It aligns with a number of things that they want to develop. Um, I just recently hired legal counsel. She's also an actress. Why not, right? Uh, she, she pays the bills by exercising kind of her ability to review very boring, lengthy corporate documents and that enables her to uh, make rent and keep the lights on. And then the other half of her time, she's an actress, which is what she's passionate about. Fabulous. Was very on brand for me. Very proud to have her as my legal counsel. Uh, and I think that's one great example of, you know, why, why not? Like why, why shouldn't you be capable of doing that and still have healthcare childcare as a benefit certainly all other sorts of benefits, uh, while doing both what you love and, and paying the bills at the same time like, that's not so mind-blowing if you think about it right
1: um yeah. so um i love that i i think sometimes it feels like sometimes i hear that you know people want to do things on the side and like they feel more comfortable doing it if it's not something they get, get paid for and but it seems like in this situation uh, the person that you've hired like she's actress she gets paid for that and then it's completely separate and does you know uh law work for you so yeah that's amazing
0: yeah I, you know i think it's evolving towards a world where everything is a little bit more uh skills-based um is it, something you mentioned in, in the little intro is you know yeah you're you're good at a lot of things and i wish we were better Uh, kind of documenting that internally that uh, along the way, right? Because LinkedIn is is great for a number of uh, reasons, but, uh, you know, kind of the idea that it has to be a chronological evolution of you go to that school and then do that job for two years and then go to that other school and then do a number of jobs where like your position and your job title and the length of time of that company or in that job somehow reflects what you're capable of or tells you a lot about what you might be good at. Uh, It's nuts if you think about it. It doesn't tell you anything at all. You know, I'm interested in enabling different solutions to gauge what people are good at. Uh, When, what, what environment creates them being in their zone of genius where they can really do awesome work because they're passionate about it. They have agency, they have ownership over it. That's what you need to create, right? Like, there is no employee benefit package that companies can possibly put together to retain people if they don't offer motivating work that people truly want to do, right? This mission line, value line and drives them in a different way than just a paycheck and a good benefit package. Uh, I'm absolutely convinced of that. And I think companies are struggling to, to figure out how we do that and, and what that looks like. But I think a skills-based recruiting strategy is, is, is one place to, to start.
1: Totally. I mean, it's really interesting. I was actually reflected on this in the last 24 hours was like the, a lot of the work that I do now, like the skills that I utilize, I think like many of them I learned in a cohort based course. And mm-hmm. like usually you look at it as like a cohort based course and it's like, you know, you learn X thing and then you're like, okay, that's a nice, that's a nice to have or, but you don't necessarily think of it as like, okay, now this is, it could be a new foundation, especially uh, for some of this kind of work, which was like around um, kind of coaching and cohort-based course, like program design and learning, um, learning design. Like sometimes it's hard to kind of see that stuff. Um, but like to me, it's like those kind of skills combined with prior startup experience and working with founders, like kind of really makes like, you know, a decent combination for the work that I'm doing now. But like, you can't, if you were to like, look at the LinkedIn, you wouldn't be able to really like piece it together. But then like, sometimes I talk or like I, the story I tell myself, I'm like, wow, this kind of makes sense to me. It's like how this is all kind of coming together. But like, that's a little bit like after the fact. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, but I wasn't uh, sometimes hard to like, kind of piece that together until like you see a role and you're like, oh, wow. Yeah. This, how it all comes, comes together. This all makes sense. But like, yeah, but it's interesting how like you can learn these skills in these courses or in, in other areas. And like, they can be really like foundational, but like, they're not like legible. And I think providing that kind of legibility is kind of like a win would be a win-win for all. And so I don't know, you know, to the person that's listening this to like, says David, yeah, I took a course a couple of years ago and I still utilize this because I don't know how to really like um, showcase that. But I do think like talking about it or writing about it would be like one way to say like, you know, this is what I did and here's how I still utilize it and stuff. Uh, And hopefully that uh, attracts more people.
0: Yeah, that's probably the number one career advice I give, right, which is don't take your next step for checking a box, right? Because you think it's gonna lead to something else, right? Just, Just take it truly one step at a time, right? Meaning if you do something that really excites you, surrounded by people that you're excited to learn from. And yeah, that might be a six month stop. That might be a one or two year analyst program that turns into a, you know, uh, actually stayed at this company for 10, 15 years because they kept giving me the opportunity to grow. That's fine. I I really, and VC is a really, really hard um, space to get into, right? So I get a lot of, I try to do as many of those as as possible. My time is limited, of course, but often kind of the question goes, you know, do you think if I if I go and do two years in banking, does you know, that set me on a path? might I get to And The answer is I don't know. It might, but it also might not, right? I I think um, the the fastest, shortest way to not end up where where you want to get to is to do something just because you think it's gonna be a good box to check. I think that world is hopefully over, uh, and, and with good reasons, right? Because I think it's like to your point, it's really hard to if, you, if I think back um even to like my younger self right, and the summers that I spent now it makes sense as to why I actually think I'm pretty decent at fundraising and sales well the reason for that is uh when I was younger right I wouldn't go to like summer camp or any of what the other kids were doing my parents are both entrepreneurs and they needed help at the garden center that they had just started and yeah I was handling the register and talking to like adults and like giving change and talking to people and like Um, all of that taught me infinitely more than like, I'm certain that two years in business school would have, right. Mm -hmm. Or, uh, you wouldn't see from my LinkedIn that like I'm a salesperson, but you know what, there's a fair amount of VC that is actually selling to founders, to LPs, to a number of other constituencies. And like, I think my early years were very formative towards that. But if you had sat me down and asked me to put a resume together, the first thing that came to mind was certainly not sales right And now that i look back and like the way i grew up I'm like, eh, you know what actually that kind of makes sense um but it's i wish we could help uh kids and young talent kind of uh decipher what they're good at and why much earlier because i think we would put a lot of kids on a much better career path a lot earlier like the us is absolutely terrible on vocational training And I don't know what that is because it's a trauma for a lot of kids who are like, no, the best next steps might not be for you to go to college. And that's perfectly fine because there's a lot of really great, good paying jobs, right? That you can do that. You're going to be good at and enjoy And like, that may not require a college degree.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and but like uh, talking about that, that experience that you had growing up, um, but like you recently wrote about it, right? So that's the other, like, that's the other side of it is like these kind of formative experiences and stuff, if they don't necessarily like, uh, translate well on LinkedIn, like, you know, t- you can start to tell the story and stuff. And that's a little bit, you know, step in the right direction. Obviously it's not going to solve, you know, the bigger problem, but it's one thing that we can do.
0: Yeah. agree. I think go back to what, what used to, what did you want to be when you grew up? Right. Um, I think if you, if you, that's a fun exercise to do. Um, I wanted to be, different things at various points in my career, but um, one was a journalist, right, and if you make sense, that, that sort of makes sense too, right, like, I I love talking to people, I love asking people a lot of questions, uh, and I like writing, right, so yeah, that sort of makes sense as to why I wanted to be a journalist, and then also why it makes sense, why VC is like so appealing to me, right, because you get to handle a lot of different topics that are very different every day, talk to a lot of different people, and get to ask them a lot of questions, um, and so Putting it together again, bringing things full circle. So we're saying at the beginning uh, is is really really satisfying for me, really rewarding.
1: Yeah, um, you were talking about business models earlier, and I'm not I'm not an expert in them, but um, there is like kind of the concept of like the flywheel a little bit. Um, and um, I think it's awesome that um, you know, in addition to your firm, full circle, you're also helping out with. Um, you know organization called transact and I don't know if that's kind of like creates a little bit of a flywheel or something like that or diversity of you know uh, conversations and opportunities et cetera but I don't know h- how do you kind of think about those two kind of organizations and how it may be benefiting you in in certain ways
0: yeah uh, so so the way I think about them that sounds completely cheesy, but I try not to think about how they benefit me because. You, you always sort of end up doing things for a reason, but you may not know what that reason is at, at the beginning, right? And that's, I created Full Circle with a, f- a few key principles. One is alignment, right? And doing things that are really good for the business really long-term and having a set of partners around me who I'm aligning myself with, right? So both founders and investors, I have a, a few, won't bore you with the fund structure or the get in the weeds too much on that, but um, uh, really to align my, myself properly with, with my investors and my founders. That was really important to me. Uh, and then two was collaboration, right? I think VC is, historically anyway, I uh, was a very, very collaborative business. So I set out to run an investment strategy that enabled me to cut pretty small checks, really collaborate with others, come together with with other investors and pre-seed deals are typically syndicated anyway, right? So that was appealing to me. That was to have to collaborate with others and come together to to bring around the table, whoever the founders needed the most. Um, and so tran- I see transactus as similarly. Um, Transact is a group of, at this point, 350 plus uh, women-led funds uh, that I co-founded with for the women. Uh, and the goal there is to just say, it's not very elaborate. It's a WhatsApp group. Um, but the goal of the group is to really help each other uh, fundraise and share tips on uh, the fundraising journey that we're all on for, as we're launching our own funds. And so we think that by operating out of a place of abundance, not scarcity, this is not a zero sum game, I will get much further, much faster together. Uh, And that's really important because I think if you have a mentality that me raising money from my funds is taking it away from another fund, uh, it will take years for the face of this industry to change. Right, Uh, But what if instead you say, well, The fact that i meet an investor that's interested in something else and tells me no you know what amount of time does it take me for me to just share that learning with the group and say hey such and such is actively deploying to emerging managers looking for funds between that size and that size investing in that area like absolutely nothing a few minutes of my time right uh but i think it comes back and and i don't i don't need to see the the returns immediately um, I just need to see that I'm, I'm building the fun in, in community with, with others back to the point of the solopreneur's journey being very lonely. Uh, it's tough, right? When you get started, you don't know. You don't know what lawyer to use. You don't know what fun administration to use. You don't know a number of things. Um, and I think there are a, a lot of learnings to just share. And if I can leave the journey of someone starting their own fund a little bit easier than I had it, and the next person can make it even easier for that next person, then we're all better off, right? I don't see it as a zero-sum game. It is not. That's the only thing I know. How it will benefit me personally, I don't know yet, uh, and that's not nearly as important to me as just building building the community, uh, no matter what.
1: In a WhatsApp group.
0: <laughs> In a WhatsApp group. Because, you know, we're all tech investors, but somehow we haven't found better tech than WhatsApp to run a group of 350 people. Uh, yeah, working on that.
1: I have an idea that I think like sometimes people are like one email away from like a new opportunity, maybe a new friend, um, a new collaborator, et cetera. Has there been an example of where like, like one email had like an unexpected, like meaningful benefit or like a serendipitous moment?
0: For sure. I, the one that comes to mind immediately is uh, my latest investment uh, that I made. Uh, it's a company called SquarePeg. Claire uh, McToward is leading it and it was a cold inbound she uh, came on my website uh, filled out my form Uh, there's a little um, free field at the bottom that says what are you most likely to get out of full circle Uh, where she put just heard some really great things from another founder about you just thought it was a fit given what's on your website you know let me know if you want to chat and I responded to the email because I I try, I I thrive to really answer uh, every thoughtful inbound that I get. And it's really hard to do because the volume is sometimes daunting, but I try. Um, And I responded to that email and started talking to her and we built a relationship over a period of time and I just invested in in her company and really excited about it. Uh, And that's one example of, sure, one one email, one nice crafted email, thoughtful, cold outreach does work uh, and and when it does, it's, it's amazing.
1: Wow. Love that. Well, cool. Do you, is there anything else that you think that we miss Virginia about, you know, portfolio careers, kind of the future? I know future works, not the right, right not the right phrase <laughs> or the current state of work, but uh, yeah, anything else that you think that we missed? Um And while you're thinking about that, please let listeners know where more where they can stay in touch and continue to learn from you.
0: No, I, I think the one thing I, I'll say is that um I'm eager to, Build the fund itself um, in the very same way that I invest the dollars that I've raised so far for it. Um, you know, and by that I mean, it wouldn't necessarily make sense for the strategy for me to build kind of a team of like associate underneath me, who are then maybe going to get promoted and get to another job title, right? So, uh, interested in in anyone who has ideas in terms of how can we scale the fund? That would be interesting, right? How how can we bring talent to it and give them quick, true ownership and agency over their own investments and then how can they maybe spin out funds from that on the full circle platform? And so I have a lot of thoughts in terms of uh, different models for, for venture and how that might evolve uh, in terms of bringing uh, junior talent to it that doesn't have to wait kind of eight or nine years to quote unquote make it to partner and have a checkbook uh, to deploy. So um, you always go to chat, chat about that because um, I think the the younger generation it has kind of a lot of different expectations as to what work uh, will have to bring to the table for them to do it period and how to better integrate work in life and fascinating about all those topics uh, and not just in terms of how I invest, but how I grow the, my own business, right? I'm an entrepreneur myself. So that's how I see it. And always eager to chat with people about that.
1: Cool. And so uh, people, if, if they want to close the loop, they can, Close the
0: so as as much as I was criticizing LinkedIn, that's probably better for me anyway than Twitter. Uh, but email is good too. I have my contact info right on my website. Uh, you can email hello at buildingforcircle.com uh, or email me uh, as well, Virginie at buildingforcircle.com.
1: Amazing, thank you so much. Thanks, David. Hey, friend, thank you for tuning in to this special episode of Portfolio Career Podcast. Would love to hear what you learned and what you enjoyed. Um, you can find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, whatever is best for you. And as a reminder, I'm just one email away as well. This episode with timestamp notes is available on my website at portfoliocareerpodcast.com. There you can subscribe to my newsletter called One Email Away which includes the best insights from the podcast and friend-sourced opportunities. So excited for you to build and grow your portfolio career. Thank you so much.